It only took a few days for Chris and other people's stories to make the headlines. And then all of a sudden, people started flocking to Bishopville to find this creature in the Scapor Swamp. Chapter 2. The Lizard Man Goes National. Coming up, a former state news reporter talks to Thad Moore about the early Lizard Man craze in the summer of 1988. But the state put it on the front page, and next day the um, WCOS in Columbia read the story over the air and offered a million dollar reward. So people just flocked to Skateboard Swamp to see what they could see, and it just took off from there. So in the process of learning about the legend, I actually spoke with the reporter who broke the story of the Lizard Man. Um, her name was Jan Tooten. She was a reporter for the state newspaper in Columbia. Uh, she covered a few counties, including Lee County, um, in the 80s. So she started every week. This is Jan. Hi, Jan. This is Thad. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Is this a good time for you still? Yeah. I just went and got a Diet Dr. Pepper, and on it is a picture of a Jurassic Park therizinosaurus. And I thought, how appropriate is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I guess once you start to see it, you're going to see it everywhere now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, well, thanks so much for um, for making time. And in the process, she meets uh, Tom and Mary Way, who are, they're a couple. They live kind of on the edge of Skateboard Swamp. Uh, it's really like a it's like a driveway off of a driveway off of a small road off of a pretty small road. And somewhere like deep in the woods, um, they noticed under their carport the car had been torn up. The wires were pulled out of en- out of the engine. Uh, the hood ornament was busted off. The antenna was bent. The car scratched up. The chrome moldings pulled off. So it looks like a vandal or something. Also, that same day, same Monday, she talks to Chris Davis and hears his story about how he was chased down the road by something nearby. So she does that reporting, and then she writes a short article. It's like 200, not, it's less than 250 words. It's short. But the state puts it on the front page. And they use the phrase lizard man. And immediately it blows up. That day, as Jan remembers it, um, a local radio station in Columbia put out a, uh, a sort of tongue-in-cheek reward of a million dollars to anyone who captured the lizard man. And by that afternoon, people were packing up tents and campers and going out to Skateboard Swamp. And there were people selling T-shirts. She said they were like kind of T-shirts flapping like flags in the wind. People were selling lizard juice, which was just like lemonade with green food dye. Um, And they were selling watermelons that they rebranded as lizard eggs. It just became a total circus right away. You had people kind of stopping off from the beach, coming home, people coming in from out of town just because they wanted to sort of see what happened. And so the story's broken on a Tuesday. And by the time the Lee County Observer goes to press that Wednesday, they're already describing it as the legendary lizard man. And there's a complaint in the paper about how people have been walking around the swamp with guns at night trying to find the lizard man. And there's all this concern about they're going to shoot somebody accidentally. So it really went zero to 60, like extremely fast. It went from kind of a kind of a weird call to take to legendary in like 48 hours. Because once Bishopville was on the map, I was over there just about every day. Um, it was 
really exhausting for the sheriff. I remember him telling me he fell asleep during an interview with the Detroit Free Press. I, you know, my sense was it was going to be over any minute now. Um, and I think when pranksters started coming out, I know I got tired of it. And I imagine the people of Bishopville did too. So this lasted about six weeks and gained so much attention so quickly. And eventually it kind of just died out. Yeah, so it's hard to say exactly why it slowed down. Um, I think there's a couple of theories of that. One is that they're just kind of stopped being new sightings. Um, so, you know, if you're out hunting for something and nobody's seen it for like three weeks, four weeks, however long, um, you know, it stops being fun. It just starts to feel maybe tedious. Um The other thing that started to happen was um, there were some false reports, really one prominent false report. Um, There was an airman who stationed at Shaw Air Force Base nearby, and he was kind of driving around. Apparently, it was like this Jeep that's painted camo and had a fake Gatling gun or something like that um, on the hood. He called himself like the Lizard Patrol, something like that. And he's driving around, and... um, he says he not only saw the lizard man, but he shot the lizard man. Um, and he, he kind of had these like what apparently were fish scales that he said were evidence of how he'd shot the lizard man. Um, so what happens is that he files a report and Sheriff Truesdale doesn't really believe him because he's a fisherman and saw the scales and said, that doesn't look like a lizard man to me. It looks like fish. Um, and that airman was later... Uh, charged with a, a weapons offense and also filing a false report. It had been this sort of fun thing, interesting thing, and then it starts to kind of become a hoax. And, and the guy admitted to it being a hoax later. He said that he just wanted to keep the legend alive. That's kind of where it sounds like maybe that summer things started to derail. So it sounds like it kind of went from being fun to being made fun of. Yeah, so I spoke with Angus Gillespie. He's a uh, folklorist professor at Rutgers in New Jersey. And he he doesn't have anything to do with the lizard man, but um, in some of his folklore studies, he researched, I guess, sort of a similar story in New Jersey. It's called the Jersey Devil from Southern New Jersey. Um, And he spent a lot of time trying to sort of document this story. And it took him a long time because people in the the region's called the Pine Barrens, people there were kind of burned. They had been made fun of. There had been like a wave of sightings in the early 1900s. And, um, you know, a lot of big city papers came and kind of wrote this tongue-in-cheek kind of mocking tone. And so people there were pretty skeptical of outsiders. The, The Jersey Devil story, it goes back to about 1714. And... It's not a joke, it's not a cartoon. It's a fearsome, deadly creature known for slitting the throats of babies in their cribs. I mean, this is, it's not a joke. It's a frightening, fearful creature. And it's a traditional oral story. Okay, so I'm giving you the short version here. It, It goes along father to son, mother to daughter, grandparents to grandchildren the 1700s, the 1800s, um, the 1900s, and, and then 
some point in the 20th century, it starts to become trivialized. But the other thing that really got under his skin is that it had been sort of firmly in the realm of folklore. Like this was a story that had been passed down for centuries in New Jersey. Um, It wasn't this pop culture thing. But then in the 80s, New Jersey gets an NHL franchise. They name themselves the Jersey Devils. Particularly disturbing to me, uh, the professional ice hockey team calls themselves the Jersey Devils. Mm. And uh, to me, uh, everything is wrong about that Um, because it's the Jersey Devils singular. It's not the Jersey Devils plural. And besides, if we're talking about the original people in South Jersey, it's the Leeds Point devil uh and so what's happening uh in new jersey in the 20th and 21st century increasingly alas it's it's moving into the realm of popular culture what's interesting i think about the lizard man is that that transition happened like immediately like it was a matter of days from this sort of hitting the news to t-shirts and lizard eggs and lizard juice so it's sort of an interesting modern monster story in that it wasn't necessarily i mean there are some stories that you know there had been legends um people talking about similar creatures going back centuries but it's not like this well-documented story like the jersey devil was it's really like a story that in a lot of ways came up starting in the late 80s, which is unique, right? Like, it's not this sort of long Bishopville tradition. It really didn't even stay in the realm of folklore. It immediately went to pop culture, and it's still a pop culture item in South Carolina today. So after all these years, it kind of seems like it's slowly coming back. Um, it seems like the, the town of Bishopville actually wants to finally preserve the Lizardman legacy. Yeah, so there, there's sort of a sense in Bishopville that that the Lizard Man was a missed opportunity, right? Like you, you had this tailor-made kind of interesting story. It's, you know, it's at least enough of a story to get somebody who's driving on I twenty to to stop and take a look and maybe buy a hat or something, right? Um, but because there was this sort of aversion to being made fun of. Uh, the town didn't really embrace it. Like, there's not really very many markings in Bishopville of the Lizard Man. Um, there's like a small little Lizard Man on the mural downtown that says Bishopville. Um, other than that, there's a there's a little um, display at the Cotton Museum, which is like the main museum in town. Um, and then at Harry and Harry Two, it's a restaurant near the interstate. They have a big sign celebrating it. And that's kind of become the go-to place to just like take a photo with the lizard man or like talk about the lizard man, hear the story from a local. Um, but that's sort of it until this this lizard man stomp. That's kind of the first, in a lot of ways, the first big organized effort to celebrate this legend. There have been other sort of lizard man related events, but it, they've been it seems sort of sporadic, at least to me. Um, And I think there's been that reluctance. But I think this is unique in that it seems like there's now sort of been this turning point in the town where they feel ready to embrace this story and kind of reclaim it as their own. Um, And then hopefully, you know, get people to come visit, right? Because Bishopville is a small town and like a lot of small rural towns, it's got a lot of struggles. Um, 
Lee County is one of the poorest counties in the state. Uh, so to the extent that there's an opportunity here, I think it, it seems like they think it's now time to embrace it. This episode is brought to you by Understand South Carolina and the Post and Courier. And thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check out Chapter 3, The Culture of the Lizard Man. Music is brought to you by artist Miyu with a song titled Suspicious. Suspicious.